0: Okay, you may not know that, uh, but this morning we're going to finish up Advent with a story about the man who not fell through the roof, but slipped through the roof and talking on joy. But we thought that'd be a great way to introduce the sermon this morning. Okay, we're going to be talking uh, also from Mark chapter 2, just so you know. But let me start out with a little survey this morning to see if you're full of joy or not. Which of these circumstances do you think would have the most potential for bringing joy into your life? Circumstance number one, an unexpected inheritance of $7 million. Circumstance number two, an unexpected flood coming through Abraham Oak, Women, Cosmopolis, or through the rest of Grace Harbor. Uh, circumstance number three, The unexpected loss of a job. Circumstance number four, an unexpected blessing that came into your family, or last one, all of them. How many would say, oh, you guys are so spiritual. How many would have chosen the seven million? Be honest. Okay. Okay. Uh, I would, I'm just telling you, all of them is the right answer, but uh, seven million would be the tendency for all of us, all right? Let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, let's make our prayer declaration together. Lift them eyes. say this with me, this is my Bible, God's holy word, this book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book. That reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare, by faith, I can do all that says I can do, I can be all that says I can be, and I can have all that says I can have. Today, by faith, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name, Amen. Okay, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, in the new living translation says this: "Always be joyful, not sometimes, not when everything is going good, but always, which means all the time. So circumstances should not dictate your joy meter. I heard this story of a dad at a grocery store with his two little year old boy in the cart. The little boy is screaming, crying and yelling and the father is staying really calm and he's saying this, Albert, relax. Albert, don't cry. Albert, it's going to be okay. Albert, we're going to be home soon. Albert, just be patient. And this lady saw how, she was, how he was talking and came up to him and just said, I just want to commend you and how softly you are speaking to Albert. And the father looks at the lady and says, thank you, man, but he's not Albert. I am. <laughs> All right, let me give you a definition of joy. Joy means, just a couple of definitions actually, joy means to have the inner strength from God to face anything. So it's an attitude that we adopt not because of happy circumstances, but because of our hope in God's love and promises. In other words, joy is internal, not just external. Okay, another way to say it is this, and I think this is probably the definition we'll focus on today. Joy is God using our imperfect circumstances to work his perfect will into our lives. So let's just talk about this man in Mark 2, and also it's in Luke. He's a man who has imperfect circumstances, and God is working his perfect will into his life. So it says in verse 1, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home and home in that case was Peter's house. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four four of them, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. Now, there are a few uh, principles in these verses I just read, so let's just take some observations here. Number one, Some of life's greatest doors are not always obvious. Let me say that again. Some of life's greatest doors are not always obvious. But after the fact, they seem obvious. How about Moses being called to deliver the children of Israel and give them freedom from slavery, and as a sign, God says to him, Moses, I'm going to use the stick in your hand. Who would have ever seen deliverance coming through the stick in Moses' hand. It was a shepherd's staff. And sometimes life's greatest doors are not always obvious. Or how about God wraps joy in a diaper and, in, and God allows the Savior of the world to be born in a barn so much so that the people he came to bring joy to missed him because the door that he came through wasn't obvious. Have you ever gone through what seemed to be an obvious door, but it was the wrong door? My brother Pinky had to go to the bathroom in Costco. He goes in there, finds a stall, does his thing, comes out. He's washing his hands, and he looks over, and there's a lady standing next to him. And he says to the lady, what are you doing in here? She said, no, I think a better question would be, what are you doing in here? And she, and she said, look around. And he looks around, and there's women <laughs> everywhere. And he goes, oh my goodness, and scampered out of there really, really fast. The right door, or the certain doors look obvious, but they're not always the right door. Like, like Lois, she came out of the uh, Safeway and walked up to our car, she thought, opened the door, and there was a lady sitting in there. And Lois says, hi, I guess I have the wrong car. car. Have a great day, slams the door and walks away. And then she says to me this statement, I'm sure everyone has done that. Uh, No, Lois, not everyone has done that. (laughs) Or how about about parking lot wars at Christmas? I'd like to bring back the clip. I show it most years, but we're not gonna show it this year. But I was at at the mall uh, in Olympia and uh, we're looking for a place and I see this guy backing up out of his spot and I stop and let him out, and a guy cuts right in front of me and takes the spot. Did I lose my joy? No. No. I looked at Lois and said, can you believe that? That guy's not a Christian. So we we drove around the parking lot and ended up by the trees out in the back by Macy's somewhere. But uh, anyway... So in spite of all that, uh, there's a crowd at Christmas or at this house and how many know crowds can be mean? So instead of letting them in and making a way for these guys to bring their paralyzed friend in, they squeeze tighter together like, you're not getting in my way. You're not taking my place. I'm not letting you in there. And so the story goes on to say, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. So here's the second observation. Some of God's greatest invitations will show up in the form of interruptions. So when someone's interrupting you, you don't miss your opportunity. It might be something that God has in mind. These guys, I think, were Grace Harbour kind of guy. I mean, they these guys interrupted the meeting and Jesus loved it. And these guys, I think, were the kind of guys that had four-wheel drive trucks. I think they had gun racks in the truck and fishing uh, poles in the truck. They probably had backpacking mules for their hunting trips. These guys were not your Prius kind of people. (laughs) If you're a Prius person, please forgive me. (laughs) I'm just saying, they, they, they were rough and tough. and They were the kind of guys that would blaze a road where there was no road. They were the kind of guys that would make a trail where there was no trail. And they say to each other, listen, we've carried Harry's sorry patoony far enough. We're not taking him back until he sees Jesus. And if this crowd is not going to let us in, let's just carry him up on the roof and tear the roof off this place. And that's exactly what they do. So sometimes an invitation with God means you have to go up another level. I want you to hear this. A level you would not have chosen, so, but God chose it for you so you can break through to the joy that he has for you on the other side. Sometimes a crowd shutting you out is an invitation that interrupts your life so you can go to another level. Sometimes the reason you get rejected is because you were in the wrong level of relationship and if those people had liked you, it would have actually limited you from going to a new level in relationship with the Lord and a new level in your joy with Him. So they go up, they don't find a door, I love this part, so they make a door. (laughs) Sometimes you have to just make a door by doing what God's put in your heart. And everybody else may reject you, but you're just saying, I'm going there. I don't know what God has in store, but I'm doing what God asked me to do. And so all the doors may be closed to bring an invitation to your life and interrupt your life to cause you to go higher to make a new door for what God's calling you to do. So these guys were determined with faith and faith always leads to action. So sometimes, just so you know, you have to be willing to get your, your hands dirty a little bit for it to pay off so weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning when you get involved with the invitation that brings an interruption in your life so the story goes on to tell us this when jesus saw their faith he said to the paralyzed man son your sins are forgiven now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves don't you just love religious pious people i don't Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Just so you know, you can't hide your thoughts from God. Some of you, you get in the dark and you think nobody knows what I'm doing. God knows. He sees you in the dark. It's the same as Santa Claus. Verse 9, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. So he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. It's amazing. uh, Would you like to meet the guy this morning that got healed? Would you give a big hand to the man on the mat?
1: Well, when you look at me, you probably don't see somebody who is run down and trampled by horses. And if you do, you should probably go see your eye doctor. You probably don't see somebody either who is worried all the time. But I was. I was worried. Yeah. The horse thing and the anxiety are connected, by the way. Yeah. So. Maybe you've heard of this psalm, you know, the old psalm that, that goes, don't ever fret because it always leads to evil. Well, I can tell you that's true. Because before I met Jesus, my life was one long and tiring fret. You know, I was like Samson who was chained to the millstone. You know, that big thing that you turn round and round to grind grain. But unlike Samson... I wasn't strong, I was weak. I was weaker than weak Samson after he was duped by Delilah, and they cut his hair off. Yeah, that was me. And you know, it's hard to believe, but these legs, you see these? And these arms right here, they were useless. I was bedridden, I was paralyzed. Couldn't even move my body. The only thing I could move was my mind. And man, the things that that pushed around, all those thoughts, and around and around, worried, angry. I guess you could say I was paralyzed in body and mind because the thoughts that I was thinking, they led to nowhere. And I was so stuck but who wants to criticize a paralytic, am I right? So when I shared my despair with my friends and family, I mean, who could blame me? Look at me, I was there, all that potential, just laying there, dormant, useless limbs. What were they to do? Add insult to injury and tell me to cheer up? wasn't anything special before, you know, that accident happened. I did the normal things, you know, I went to synagogue on the weekends and went to work throughout the week, you know, uh, tried my best to follow the law, made the sacrifices necessary to atone for all the big stuff. You know what I'm talking about. A couple of turtle doves here and there, the occasional goat. I wouldn't say that I was religious at all. I wouldn't I would say that I was more um, full of zest for life. There we go. But all that zest, that was quickly zapped. Yep, when I stepped in front of that unit of Roman soldiers tearing through a side street on their way to quell an uproar near the temple, boy, I'll tell you what. You know... I was in that city. I was in the holy city for the festival. And you know, if you ever been there, it's it's so full of life, you know? And I just felt that energy that you get when you're around people you love in the holy city. I felt invincible. You'd think I was a high priest the way that everybody practically venerated me after that accident. They'd go around saying things like, he was a Hebrew among Hebrews who stood up to Rome. Last stand I ever took. You know, so my bitterness and my anger, it, it remained unchecked. Nobody challenged it. Nobody around me challenged me. Well, until I met Jesus, that is. You know at Christmas time, we use words like "hope and "peace. as we very well should but sometimes I feel like we we lose the meaning and the reason behind those words in the very first place right until the advent of Jesus in my life I was I was living on the other side of those words I'd wake up every day and that despair and that that regret that tells you that there's no way you're ever gonna hope. No reason for it. You're never gonna experience joy again. You know, it was my friends who cut that hole in the roof and lowered my helpless body through it, plopped me right down there in front of Jesus. You guys should have seen the look on his face, the surprise, yeah. And dare I say, the profound respect he had for my friends who were so bold in getting me in front of him. You know, not just a few people, I think a lot of people thought that my friends were just full of guilt that their bones weren't crushed that fateful day that turned me into a paralytic. But not Jesus. No, Jesus, Jesus recognized that they were full of faith for him to heal. Yeah. You know, the strangest thing that day was not even what he did, but what he said. (laughs) He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. I mean, I didn't even know what to expect exactly. I I just wanted him to reach out his hand and, and heal me. I'd only thought about it a million times since I heard about his miraculous healing power. But Jesus, Jesus is, he, he said something that no one else would say. He saw that I had a sickness way deeper than just my body. A man who had a problem way worse than useless limbs. You guys know the rest of the story. I, I picked up my mat and I walked right out of there. My whole life in front of me, completely restored, set free the religious people man they were scandalized those that were hungry for righteousness they had their needs met and the oh, those with the eyes to see they saw the glory of god revealed you know just think about it it's, it's it's jesus he's he's right there among humanity After all those dark days of despair, he's just as surprising as a grown man as he was a baby. Emmanuel, God with us. It's kind of the perfect Christmas story, right? And let me tell you, the force of that collision, the truth of who Jesus is and the way it impacts the human heart, well, that, that impact is more violent and transformative than the impact of a dozen Roman horses against the body. It is. It's true. You know that Jesus, with just one word, one word, could set you free of sin and despair, completely free. And that freedom leads to what I can only describe as true joy. You know, I'm no elegant or sophisticated man that deserves God's grace. But his grace was given to me anyway. And that's my hope for you this Christmas season.
0: wasn't that good I'll tell you if I got healed from being paralyzed I'd be shouting in the streets telling everybody about Jesus so let me finish this up real quickly some other doors that lead to joy the first one that I've written down here is the door of disappointment we've already touched on this but I just want to say this is where the crowd wouldn't let them through the front door and I just want you to know it's okay to be disappointed but don't die there Don't stay there. Don't live there. Uh, Turn your disappointment into faith. Number two is the door of opposition. This is where the religious leaders oppose Jesus in their hearts. So Jesus did the miracle to show them that he had the power to forgive sins. But there's one more door. It's called the door of revelation. And this door is kind of a two-fold door. You and I are called to be doors of revelation for Jesus Christ. You and I have been so changed, just like he was changed, he became a door to the crowd that was there. The crowd that wouldn't let him in, he walked right out the front door in the midst of them to show them God had the power to forgive and to heal. And it's in that order that God comes to our lives. He comes to forgive you of your sins. And if you don't know it, you're a sinner and you need forgiveness. And then number two, he comes to give you his power. And once you accept that into your life, you become a door of revelation to your friends, to your family, to your coworkers, to everyone who's around, letting them know that Jesus changed your life and changed it into a, a life of joy. But Jesus said this in John 10-9, he said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. These days, there's a lot of other doors to choose from. They look good, they look like the right door, but they're the wrong door. And what I mean by that, lots of doors are religions, but there's only one way to get to heaven. It's Jesus, the door. And I just want you to know today, that's what God wants to do for you. So let's stand for a moment. so Jesus came to tell you today he's the door if you don't know Christ this Christmas you need to know him now so with every head bowed every eye closed you need to know this your ex is not your door your dad or your mom who wasn't there is not your door your opinion of yourself is not your door Jesus is your door to forgiveness to be Uh, for, For healing emotionally and physically and he wants to open up your life to a brand new call and destiny and purpose that you've never known before no situation no mistake no sickness no stone rolled against your life saying you're dead can stop jesus from coming to your life and once he does he'll say things like this get up And go after me with all your heart and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ will infuse your soul, your spirit, and your body and make you whole again. And you'll become a door to a lost world. And if that's you this morning, if you need Jesus Christ and you know today is your day and the Holy Spirit's calling you, would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me, I need Christ in my life. I see that hand, that hand. Three, four, five six, seven, eight. Any more? I think there's nine. One more is nine. Yeah, I see it. Thank you. Okay, this is awesome, you guys. This is, this is what Christmas is all about. He's the door for your life. So let's all pray this prayer together. You're not doing it alone. We're your family. We're inviting you in to the family of God. Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son. Jesus to die in my place I ask you Jesus to forgive me of all my sins all my mistakes and all my failures come into my life and be my savior my lord my boss my friend and my king and by your grace and by your power I will serve you for the rest of my life in Jesus mighty name And everybody said, amen. Come on.